That's the reason why we've been taught that a lawyer looks like an old black, uh, old white man. And that's not what a lawyer looks like. We've been taught that false things about us. I mean, I've, I've been told a lot of things about me before I became an attorney in high school, in college. Well, I can't see you as an attorney. Well, you don't need to see me as an attorney. That's not up to you. But if I didn't have a family that was telling me, Tasha, you're smart, Tasha, you're this, Tasha, you're that, I would have believed these people that were lying to me, telling me that they can't see me as an attorney. Hey, co-workers, how y'all doing out there? <laughs> uh, well, before I start the show, I want to provide y'all with some good news, some fantastic news, actually. We are now available on Spotify. Hey. <laughs> Hopefully y'all are following us on Instagram at Black at Work Pie because we do post that stuff there, but we are on Spotify now, y'all. Please Play, download, do what you got to do. Get our um, streams up, okay? (laughs) So we can get to charting. But we are now available on Spotify, Deezer, Podchaser, and Podcast Addict. And also, another cool thing, you can even listen to our show on our website at blackatworkpod.com. So all you got to do is go on our website and just click listen here at the top of our webpage. And y'all going to be good to go. Yeah, so let's get into our fuck you for the week. Our first or our fuck you today comes from Bryant. Okay, Bryant, you related to Kobe? No, I'm just kidding. Um, he said, <laughs> Bryant says, good afternoon, ladies. My wife is a listener of your radio show and told me to write in about the experience I had I had the other day at work. <laughs> I have been the store manager and shift supervisor for a gas station here in Ohio for a while, about seven years. Most operations run smoothly. The town I'm in is mixed, but mostly white. I got a 16-year-old son who we have been scrambling the past few years to teach about the ugliness and racism in this world due to the events of these last days. Now that he is old enough to work his first summer, wife and I thought it would be a good idea to have him work with me part-time at the store. My wife isn't working due to COVID, so this gives our son a bit of responsibility and to take the burden off of us with his small expenses. The other day, a white gentleman came in the store without a mask and our store's policy is that everyone must wear one. I told him first that he will requ- I told him first that he required a mask to enter the store and he ignored me. Then I spoke up again louder. He kept shopping. So I came from around the counter and my son was on the other side of the gentleman without, without, the, without the mask. I walked closer to him and said in a calm, stern tone, sir. You will have to leave the store and come back with the mask. And he said, get away from me, nigger. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, bitch. (sighs) Okay, I'm sorry. Let me let me come back. My son's face was shocked and the people in the store were so shocked. And I stood there stunned at first. But then I went to call the police. 
He left when I went for the phone, but the whole experience really messed me up, let alone my son. As a man, it don't feel good for your son to see you disrespected like that. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'm a man of high faith and I pray for that man every day. The plus side of this experience is that now my son has experienced what so many of us live most days. Now these experiences are not just stories, quote unquote, and he can move throughout life. I'm also using it as a teaching moment. Pray for my strength. Now I'm going to go listen to your last show to get familiar. LOL. Much love, Bryant. Uh, <laughs> um, first of all, praise the Lord, Brother Bryant. Um, it's some Christians that will <laughs> turn the other cheek. And it's some Christians where you can get your ass beat. And I'm the latter. I would have flipped my shit <laughs> in front of this man. Are you serious? <laughs> My friend said, and I'm the latter. Girl, you ain't lying. You are not lying. I am trying to contain, but I'm, let, go ahead, Dana, because I can't. I can't. I, I would have sat there stunned, too. Like, now, don't get me wrong. I've been called a nigger before by some white people, but I've never been disrespected in that way in front of my child that looks up to me. So I can only imagine how that experience made you feel. Like you said, as a man, um, oh, I'm so glad that God is on your side and he kept you in great restraint in that moment so that you can continue to work and show your son, you know, <laughs> the ways that he should go um, when somebody come at him in the face of racist adversity. But uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the Lord saw fit for that didn't happen to me. <laughs> I would have been on first 48. Girl, baby, we would have been, you would have went viral. We would have been talking about you in the water cooler, okay? Okay. Damn, from Black at Work. Hey, actually, that would have been good because that would have gave us some press, but still, like. It would have been like Texas woman sets fire to gas station. <laughs> Girl, no, like, we are not laughing, Brian, at the situation because it's a really messed up situation. Like, I can't even believe that happened. And like Dana said, I agree. Like, for that to happen, and then two in front of your son, it's like. That I know how I mean, I could only imagine how they made you feel, but hats off to you for being the bigger person in that situation, because like Dana said, I'm the latter, too. I would have went off and look, they would have called and I would have just been another black statistic because ain't no way. <laughs> like, no way. And it's just a shame that. We are living in 2020, almost 2021, and you're still being called a nigger. Okay. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, and I'm glad, I mean, at the same time, I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad you're, I'm not glad, but I'm glad that your son was able to see, you know, what you were, what you trying to been teach him, what you've been trying to teach him, excuse me, got my words mixed up, but at the same time it's just that's just so unfortunate and sad but hats off to you i'm glad we've gained a new listener <laughs> right shout, shout out to your wife for putting you on to our radio show <laughs> right our radio show hey we're gonna speak that into existence <laughs> thank you uh brother bryant Yes, yeah, so thank you so much, deacon bryant and shouts out to you so our next fuck you comes from anon or is this anonymous? I don't know if this ain't or anonymous, but okay. 
Anonymous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Y'all, I'm tripping. I'm sorry. All right. Anonymous then says, I'm going to call you Anon. <laughs> I'm so done. Well, girls, despite all the stuff I know about getting in entanglements at work and listening to your show, I still found myself hopelessly love-struck by some young-ass boy I work with. Oh, oh Lord, girl. Oh, girl, log off. Girl, I can't even get through this, y'all. This is so funny. Okay. <laughs> Before Rona, he was hired into my company and I did side-by-side training with him for eight weeks, which made us fast friends. He's four years younger than me. I'm 26. Oh, that ain't that bad. Um, So when we all had to go remote in April, we kept up the flirting and even became quarantine based. And y'all know the rest. Oh, Lord. Anyway, messenger convos got slower and so did our after hours creeps so I knew something was up so I fell back yesterday morning our team got an email saying he quit and is no longer with the company I texted him at 11 42 yesterday and he's just now replying 8 a.m today talking about he moved out of state for school I wished him well and took my L because I knew it was coming more slap in the face he must have forgot we was friends on Facebook because when we when he landed at his destination, he posted a selfie with, you guessed it, another chick, LOL. That's what my ass get, but fuck him still. <laughs> fuck him still. <laughs> Girl, stop getting into entanglements anywhere, at work, at church, at the bar, at the lar, on the bench, at the gym, in, in the swim. Stop getting in entanglements. <laughs> Anon. <laughs> All right, Annan. That is hilarious. Yeah. Will and Jada taught us, and you like you said, you heard our show before. You know about them entanglements. But them side by sides for eight weeks, China. That that will get you. Girl, y'all going on every break together. Y'all sitting together all day for eight hours straight. You think you in love with this little young ass. What you say? Four years. So he 22. Girl, yeah, you knew. Come on, you! I'm, I'm glad that you admitted that you took your L, and I'm glad that you fell back. But you know, don't be getting in no damn entanglements at work. Right, that is hilarious. Y'all are funny. As as soon as I thought that the fuck yous could not get any better, like <laughs> they continue. Y'all are hilarious. But yes, if you have a fuck you, please send them to us here at Black at Work Pod at gmail dot com. Or you can submit them anon or anonymously <laughs> on our website at blackatworkpod.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and get over to the water cooler. Sierra and Russell Wilson welcomed a baby boy on Thursday named Wynn Harrison Wilson. My girl is doing it okay. She delivered her baby in her best lace wig, mask on. Then she sang happy birthday to him. It was so sweet. So congrats to Sierra. Yes, congrats, Sierra. She really has a magical life. It seems like her and Russell are very happy. 
And I'm so glad that she has moved on from the future. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of this statement. Exactly. From the future. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Sierra. So anyway, the Treasury Secretary said in a CNBC interview on Tuesday that those of us who qualified for the first round of stimulus checks will likely qualify for the second round with the same amount. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. (laughs) Okay, it's my money and I need it now. (laughs) The second round of stimulus payments were finally agreed upon in the Senate last week and will be included in the government's next economic aid package. So basically, what most of us need to know is that you get $1,200 per adult and $1,200 for each child that you claim for up to three kids. So if you got five kids, only three of them can count it. If you didn't file taxes, you ain't getting it. If you're in college and you let your mama claim you on her taxes, you ain't getting it. If you let Pookie carry one of your kids, you ain't getting nothing for that baby baby. Pookie getting the money. So that's how this is going to work out this time around. And um, everybody, everybody collectively, bless up. We getting our money. <laughs> we getting our money. Yes. Well, I am super excited about this, but we talked about this. We've been talking about this. I knew that they were going to have to give us another stimulus. Hopefully this is the last one. And I just say that because I want this to be over. I'm sick of COVID. I'm sick of how it is impacting our country. I'm sick of how it's impacting people and our lives negatively. So I'm glad that they're providing another one because we need it. And people are still being financially impacted, but praying and hopeful that this will be the last one because we'll be able to get to a better place uh, financially. Yeah, that stimulus payment was a part of the HEROES Act that we talked about before in the show. And it passed last week, um, which it included a bunch of bullshit, which an obscene amount of money went to the already overfunded military. And they got an obscene amount of money during the first benefit package, along with several other businesses that didn't need it or whatever. But along with all of that bullshit, they included a $30 million payout to public schools who open in the fall. So they're basically bribing or incentivizing schools to open with money. Child, it's a mess. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, uh, I cannot remember his name, but uh Medea's brother. What's Medea brother? What's Medea's brother's name? I cannot think of his name. Tyler Perry. <laughs> I'm so done. Well, like Tyler Perry said in that movie, don't do it. She got two kids. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like seriously, I'm not telling people what to do, but I'm with not, I don't have kids in school and I don't, I know people are impacted because, you know, everybody don't have money to not, you know, people have to work. They got to send their kids to school. Uh, I know here, my cousin here in the Dallas area, she they were given an option to send their kids to school virtually or not. And I would vouch for virtually because I'm not risking, like I've been saying, I'm not risking my child going to school and then bringing it back to me. Did you see Trump talking about the kids 
I mean, if they can't get it or if they do get it, it's unlikely that they, whatever he was saying, it's just, it's all ignorant. It's, it's always the kids, the kids. It's never my kids, my kids, my kids. You would never put little Baron over there in school knowing goddamn well he could get COVID. You don't give a fuck about the kids, the kids. And that's, that's completely clear. Like all of this shit that y'all are doing, all of this bullshit, I hope that people see through it. Like you said, your friend um, got the option. They gave my one of my friends that same option, but they told her that at some point her son's going to have to go back into the classroom. So he's going to have to do half virtual training and half in-person training to even be considered enrolled in the school. Like you're basically not giving us any options. So this whole little thing is just fucked up. It is. It's, it's messed up. It's like, so I'm damned. If I do, damned if I don't, because y'all are not giving, I mean, he's going to have to go to school. It's just like what our, well, it's it's a mess. <laughs> yes, it's a mess. Um, well, speaking of something that is uh, a little bit unmessy, I guess, the MLB has started allowing its players to take a knee and wear memorabilia in support of Black Lives Matter. And shockingly, most all of them did. So to me, baseball is like the second most racist sport next to hockey. So to see teams, really, really white teams and players take a knee, who bitch, what a time. I remember growing up and going to Cardinals games and white people would be casually yelling, catch the ball, nigger, or some shit like that. (laughs) You find out very early that this is not the jam. Like baseball is not the black jam. So to see the St. Louis Cardinals not only post Black Lives Matter, they had their players wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. They took a knee and hired someone to troll the racists who came crying on their social media. <sighs> a bitch nearly shed a tear. Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but... <laughs> 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 I mean, it's different for me. I'm from St. Louis. The Cardinals is like, the Cardinals is our Cowboys. So if you can imagine, like, so to grow up in that city where the Cardinals is our Cowboys and you don't really feel comfortable rooting for them because, you know, their fans are racist or they might even be racist. So just to see this active um alley ship <laughs> i know it's some type of facade underneath it but it was i th- i thought i would never see the day as soon as i saw the picture it was just like whoa and i wished immediately that my grandma was alive to see that no yeah i i, I get it totally i understand totally i just feel like it's i i have mixed feelings about it like because on one hand, I'm like, okay, it took y'all this long or we had to do, you know, we had to do all of this for y'all to even take a knee. Like, but at the same time, I totally understand, like, that would make you feel like, you know what I'm saying? But it's just, I have mixed feelings about it. Like, even with the basketball, how they have Black Lives Matter stripped on the court. Like, I'm like, okay. Uh, is this is it real like or is it just and of course I mean I don't know I have mixed feelings about it I just I don't know how to feel well the only MLB player who decided not to kneel was 27 year old Sam Coonrod 
of the San Francisco Giants. When asked by reporters why he decided not to kneel, he said it's because he's a Christian. <laughs> what? <laughs> These racists actually believe in Jesus. It's insane. <laughs> I've never understood the concept of racism and I'm racist, but I'm Christian. It does not go hand in hand. So, yeah, you're going to have to sit the fuck down with that. Um, but speaking of wayward Christians, Kanye West went on another Twitter, uh, Twitter tirade this past week. And uh, he must listen to our show last week because he show tweeted that the movie Get Out was based on his life. <laughs> But why Lorel, um, who played the dude's friend in the movie, why he retweeted Kanye and was like, yeah, nigga, it was about you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Kanye been on a, down- a downward spiral all of July, pretty much. He announced earlier this month that he was running for president, which was crazy shit. Keeping Harriet Tubman name in his big fat mouth, accusing him of planning to sleep with Meek Mill, talking about he's been on divorce since 2018. In response, the good beige sis Malcolm X put out an Instagram statement basically saying that she is trying to deal with Kanye's bipolar issues and they want privacy and blah, blah, blah. And I've always admired her unwavering support of the fool she married. But cut the shit. Y'all feminine keeping up with the Kardashians right now as all of this shit is unfolding. One minute you support your husband running for president, not even three weeks ago, when he was proudly admitting that he wasn't even on his meds. Now you say that he ain't really about that life. He's bipolar. We don't know what it is, especially when you co-sign and shit. Then you prop it in big time off the fallout of all of this. Kanye trying to drop an album and a shoe. It's like, who's finna keep fucking around with y'all? Not I, bitch. Not I. (laughs) Dana said, these peasants, I'm not here for it. I'm not entertaining you. (laughs) No, totally. Kanye has, he has lost it. and. I feel sorry for him. I really do. I don't, I have no, idea. I hope he's getting the help that he needs. I saw Dave Chappelle went down there and tried to talk to him and help him. Uh, somebody else, I think went down there and tried to help him. I don't know. Somebody help our dear. Cause at the end of the day, he is our brother. He's our brethren. So somebody please help our brethren. Cause he ain't been the same since his mama died. And that's true. And another thing, I want people to stop saying it's because he's bipolar that he's saying this crazy shit. Let's take that stigma off of bipolar disorder because bipolar disorder manifests in many different ways. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a specialist on this, you know, whatever. But I've been around bipolar people. I have bipolar people in my family. But I honestly believe that this nigga just believes what he's saying straight up. There's tons of bipolar people out here who don't say disparaging shit about their own race during manic episodes. So let's kill that talk. And like, let's say, pray for Kanye. You know, I hope that he comes back from this. But, you know, we've been hoping and praying since 2016 for him. So ain't no telling, child. This week's 
fuck ass of the week is going to Governor Brian Kemp. The extra K's are on purpose <laughs> of Georgia. Okay, fuck his ass. So Keisha Lance Bottoms is the mayor of Atlanta. She's super black girl magic. Okay, shout out to Atlanta. And she has mandated that her city wear masks everywhere to slow the spread of COVID, even though Georgia is not requiring a mask mandate. Actually, Atlanta is one of 13 other cities and counties in Georgia that have mandated masks. But Governor Kemp has decided that these Negroes in Atlanta ain't going to tell him what to do. So he bypasses all the other counties issuing mask mandates and decides to ask for an emergency injunction to restrain Mayor Lance Bottoms from issuing press statements about COVID. Basically, he don't want her telling the people of Atlanta that they have to wear masks. And this is a real lawsuit, y'all. Like, we really got cops out here eating donuts and taking lunch breaks and shit, going on office patrols and shit that should be behind bars. And this motherfucker wants to sue somebody because she wants to keep the people in her city safe. Like, what the fuck? Did he Is he related to, to Greg Abbott? To the, <laughs> to the governor of Texas? Because, I mean, in the beginning, you know, well, guess what? He they, He's going to they're going to be made an example of and they're going to end up just like we are here in Texas with numbers increasing and rising or if they want to be the epicenter of the COVID-19 like Florida, they can do that as well. How how dare you try to diminish what Keisha Lance Bottoms is trying to do to keep her city safe? I mean, for God's sake, she had it. Her family had it. Like, it's, it hit home for her. Like, I don't understand why he's not wanting for people to wear a mask. And it is amazing to me. We're continuing to talk about this, but how people, even this week alone, that I've seen a lot of people that are just like, I forbid to wear a mask. Like, I will not wear a mask. It is my right. My body, my choice. <laughs> for real. Fuck out of here. It just baffles me. I'm just like, oh my goodness. So the fact that, I mean, I can't even believe that he would go that far to even do that. But she's trying to keep the people of the city of Atlanta safe. Like they already out doing what they want to do. Because my best friend lives in Atlanta. Y'all know I went to school in Atlanta. So I got a lot of, you know, college friends that still that are still in Atlanta. So I'm seeing they Snapchats and they all out to eat. My cousin lives in Atlanta. They all out to eat. They at the hookah bars. Like I told y'all last time, they at the gold room. They at Magic City. They stripping. They ain't got their mask on. The poles got saliva and all y'all's <laughs> coronavirus dripping down it. So it's just <laughs> the least y'all can do is wear the mask. God dang it. <laughs> Not coronavirus dripping down the pole. I'm done with you. Girl, like, it's ridiculous. Out of all things, you would think these governors would be, you know, smarter. Like, you guys want the economy to be back so bad. So let people wear their masks so that we can get back to some type of normalcy. Uh, they just want to kill us. But anyway, uh, Keisha Soros, <laughs> Keisha Soros ain't having it. You saw them Delta step out. 
Okay, they was like, we stand with Keisha. Okay, all 22 founders resurrected, okay, bitch, and said, not today, <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> so shout out to all the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated for coming through for your girl, Keisha, and everybody else that supports her in this ridiculous lawsuit from Governor uh, Brian Kemp. Like, he's just a dumbass. So shout out to y'all and... <laughs> that's all I have for the water cooler <laughs> today for our down to business segment we are so happy to have attorney Natasha Scruggs Esquire as you guys know we love titles on this show <laughs> Natasha is a graduate of Jackson State University and received her law degree from Mississippi College School of Law she's also a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated in addition to having her own law firm the Scruggs firm she's also an author and currently writing a book discussing prison ab- ab- abolition Sorry, titled Prison is a Paradigm. Natasha, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I just kind of wanted to jump right off and kind of ask you what the beginnings of your law uh, journey was like. What was your journey to law school like? The application process, taking the LSAT, getting accepted. Also, tell us a little bit about your um, personal law school experience. Okay, well, I always knew I was going to be an attorney. So I started researching the process of going to law school early. My grandpa actually went to law school in the 70s, so and I grew up in the house with him. And so um, it was pretty much a no-brainer. I took my LSAT my junior year in college when I was at Jackson State, and then I ended up getting like a scholarship from John Marshall because I won like a, um, it was basically a mock trial, but it was a little different. So I took the LSAT, uh, applied for schools and I was already accepted to all schools my first semester of senior year and then I just went right in. Wow so it's I mean I don't want to say it sounds easy but it, I mean it sounds like you were kind of predestined to be a lawyer. Right it wasn't easy but it was like it was just it, it was the same as going to college or joining you know the basketball team or everything is just you just have to figure out exactly what you want to do, look at the requirements and do it. And that's what I did. It was like no other option. So I didn't even know. I mean, I had no other plans after school. So unfortunately, a lot of us have friends and family who have been killed by the police. And you speak a lot about your uncle who was killed tragically um, in 2008 by St. Louis County Police. Um, No criminal charges were ever even considered for those officers. And they were let off for qualified immunity. Can you explain to us what the situation that happened was and what qualified immunity is? And is that why we can't get most cops arrested when they kill innocent black people? Well, qualified immunity, uh, it comes in on civil cases a lot where the family would want to, you know, hold the police department accountable, maybe hold the city accountable and maybe hold the medical personnel accountable. Immunity is supposed to be when you're free from any charges, civil or criminal. And absolute immunity is what I think people think cops have. And absolute means no matter what happens, (laughs) they're completely immune. 
qualified immunity is saying that you're 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 not assumed immune. You have to qualify for it, and the qualifications for it are not as clear as people might think. It's pretty much, you know, a lot of the police department murders that we see, I would consider based on my studies of qualified immunity that it's not qualified. Um, and it's too in-depth to kind of go through now. People are going to have to like research and, and look because I've been studying this for a long time. But, you know, a judge has to say whether or not qualified immunity applies. And pretty much nine times out of 10, they say qualified immunity applies. Um, like I said, criminal charges were never considered for my uncle. Like they never even like, I mean, you see today where there can be a whole video and there's no charges brought. So criminal right. charges were never even, they never told us about criminal charges. They never considered what they did as criminal, even though they were actors of the state who violated policies and procedures and killed a man. But my family, when I was, I was 17 at the time, they filed a lawsuit against St. Louis County Police Department against a lot of other different entities. And the police, the, the case kept getting dismissed based on qualified immunity. So they kept appealing it. And then they would say, qualified immunity, we can't even look at the facts. We can't even say yay or nay that they do something bad because of qualified immunity, which is the wrong application of qualified immunity. Wow. This is exactly why I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> but um, but on, along those lines, I want to kind of stay on this topic because, of, of course, it's so relevant to what's happening right now. Why do you think, and I, I mean, to me, I say, you know, everything is because people, you know, it's because they're racist, but in a more intellectual way, or if you can explain, because I mean, you're, you can only, you only know so much, but why do you think it's so hard for them to bring these um, officers and these men in blue to justice? Like what takes so long? Like why, do, why does it take so long for them to even have to, like for Breonna Taylor's case, they haven't even attempted to do anything to bring the, to bring her justice. So what is it that they're researching or looking up or is it just because that they're racist yeah just because they are practicing systemic white supremacy and with that this the police are a piece of that system it's just a big system that's working together um to develop a certain level of control over society and also to control um education and everything like the police are just one piece of a long domino that falls that's that we consider oppression and so you know if they were to say that these police were wrong that police can't kill people especially black people then it, everything else would have to change so i mean there's not really a different answer for that and to to your point systematic racism i mean how do you feel like we can come back because we always have these conversations about you know, how we can change the system and what we can do. But honestly, can we really change the system? It was created for this purpose, like to defeat black people and to keep us as crabs in a barrel, as people say, or, to you know, to keep us oppressed. Is it ever going to be a time where a lawyer like yourself or any other attorney can come in and actually a politician can come in and actually change the system? Is that actually possible in your eyes? It's not going to be one person that can change it. But it absolutely can change. 
nothing in society is the same as it was except for the criminal justice system. And that's because they want it to remain the same. The system in of itself, like I said, it was put here for a purpose. And right now, I think it's going to change quicker than people thought it was because it's starting to, number one, there's bad PR, there's bad press. And when bad press starts happening, things start changing. And then it's not financial, financially smart to keep the system as is, which is also the reason why slavery ended. People think slavery ended because of humanity. It didn't. It ended because financially the the country couldn't continue on this path. And even people who started to preach about abolition, it wasn't because they felt like it was inhumane. It was inhumane the entire time, just like this. Black lives being murdered has always been inhumane. It's always been inhumane to lynch people. It's always been inhumane to falsely arrest people, to uh, kill people on death row with state-sanctioned violence, you know, all of that. But now it's, it's going to be easier for things to change. I'm a prison abolitionist, and people kind of get that confused and thinking that I'm only talking about prison. I'm talking about abolishing the whole system. And the way that you do it is you resist. And that's what happened in slavery, too. People think that there was no rebellions. People think that everybody was following the rules. No, that's another reason for abolition. When I say PR and and press, you know, if we talk about like Dred Scott, Dred Scott was fighting for his freedom. And by the time him and his wife ended up being sold off to another family, the family released them because it wasn't good. It wasn't a good look for their family to have the to have them as slaves. Right. And so the resistance happens right now. The resistance happens with us. And the way that you resist the system is you resist. You don't. You know, when somebody goes to jail, we bail them out. We don't believe in pretrial incarceration because sixty-five to seventy percent of people in jails and prisons are in pretrial, which means they don't have enough money to get bailed out. When rich people can just bail out, or they won't even. Uh, they'll just get an OR bond. So we can say we're not we're not going to be in the system the way that it is. We can say we're going to write every prisoner that is in prison right now um, so that they have a pen pal, so that they don't be isolated, so that they don't feel like they're a, a menace to society. We can say that we're going to hire people who have been accused of, of crimes. We can say that we're going to, uh, we're not going to count on our state and our city to educate our kids, but we're going to take a proactive approach to education. We're going. We're not going to just go to work and send our kids to school thinking that they're going to educate our kids when they're clearly not. They're going to improve our kids. They're going to criminalize our kids, and they're going to um, give black kids significantly less resources and opportunities that they do white kids. So right now. We're in the system that they created, but the way that we resist is we make other avenues. Um, same thing with the prison, uh, With when people talk about abolishing police, we don't have any systems in place right now to call for certain things. Pris- to me, police abolition, prison abolition looks like there are, for every single state and city, there are small organizations and small entities that you call for certain things. Right now, the police are getting called for everything and they don't, they're not qualified to do everything and they don't protect anybody in my community. They don't make anybody in my community feel safe. So it's pointless. But 
that's what if you say it see I think a lot of people think it can't change and they say well it can't change so what's the point well actually it can change but it's not going to change the way we think it's going to change we can't sit back and let them change it they're going to change based off of what we do I love that yeah and it also circles back to what we constantly say on this show that our dollars matter the money matters and, sure. and like you just broke it down to us like they didn't stop selling us because it wasn't you know a profit I mean they stopped selling us because it wasn't profitable anymore not because they cared and I think that's a, a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their brains around they're just sitting looking at the justice system well this is not right this is not what should be happening when honestly they don't care about that which brings me to my next question why do you think that only five percent of black people practice law and what made you want to be a part of that 5% outside of um, your grandpa? Well, I think it's the same. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's the same as, as what we're talking about, white supremacy. White supremacy stopped Black people from um, being able to read. They made it a crime for us to read. They made it a crime for us to go to school. Then, you know, there's a lot of barriers. So the first Black woman attorney, her name is Charlotte Ray, when she graduated, she could not get a job. This is in 1800s where people try to act like I'm like the first black woman attorney. And we've been having attorneys since the 1800s. And she tried to start her own law firm, but nobody would come to her because she was a black woman. And she was actually friends with Frederick Douglass, who put an ad in his newspaper. So they were trying to, you know, do some black Wall Street type of stuff. But because of white supremacy, she couldn't do it. That's the reason why we've been taught that a lawyer looks like an old black, uh, old white man. And that's not what a lawyer looks like. We've been taught that false things about us. I mean, I've, I've been told a lot of things about me before I became an attorney in high school, in college. Well, I can't see you as an attorney. Well, you don't need to see me as an attorney. That's not up to you. But if I didn't have a family that was telling me, Tasha, you're smart. Tasha, you're this. Tasha, you're that. I would have believed these people that were lying to me, telling me that they can't see me as an attorney or they can't see me doing anything else. So it's because, number one, education opportunities. We don't have a lot of opportunities in my community. You have to make your own opportunities. It's hard for people to make their own opportunities if they have to fight systemic racism every day, if they have to fight against the education system every day, if they have to fight poverty if they have to maybe fight violence, police violence, who there's no way that you can even dream outside of your everyday struggle. That's the reason why. It's not because of applicants. Also, the entry into law school, it takes a lot. It's a lot of hoops to jump through. I was prepared to jump through those hoops because my grandpa had already did it, so I knew I could do it. Um, and if you don't know that you can do it, then you're not going to be able to do it. You and, and it's a long road. It wasn't like I said I want to be a lawyer and I was a lawyer the next day. It was a very long road. The else, I mean, the um, bar exam knocks a lot of people out too. And then being a woman knocks a lot of people out too because it's a it's a white male dominated field. And even though there's 50 percent of women are in law school, only 20 percent of women are lawyers because women drop off like flies because the the way that it's set up it's not you know conducive to being a woman or especially being a black woman wow that is really interesting to hear 
Yeah, and I love I love the fact that you are touching on um how black people are not taught, you know, we I say all the time, like if we knew that we were kings and queens once before, like we would I feel like we would be in a much <laughs> different place because we're not taught like, oh well, you're smart because even me, I wanted to be I always said, oh, I'm going to be a doctor and a lawyer. Okay, now how is that possible? I mean, it is possible now. These days, you yeah. can But, you know, I, and I even, in high school, I went to clinicals because I wanted to be a doctor. Um, they had a program at my, in my suburb. I went to a school in the suburbs. And, of course, they have all the resources there. So I was in clinicals, and it was preparing me to actually go to college and be a doctor. And I told myself, I, I was like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to be a doctor. Um, so I think a lot of times to your point, we, you know, maybe tell ourselves or we, we don't see ourselves in doctors, in attorneys, in, you know, a rocket scientist, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't see that. So I just feel like if we, I love that you touched on that. If we knew who we were, if we knew that, you know, a black woman was a, a lawyer back in the 1800s, you know, maybe we would feel eager enough or even confident enough to even you know, want to enter into law school. So, but, but with that, um, uh, since we're touching on that and how you had the resources and your grandfather was a, um, a lawyer. And so you knew what to do, um, and follow his footsteps. What advice that you wish you had gotten, would you give to a prospective law student and maybe even to somebody that's already in law school? Well, yeah, the, the same, I graduated from law school, May 2016. And then in July 2016, I started the Future Lawyers Camp. It's an annual camp for students um, from age 8 to 18 who want to be attorneys. So that I consider a part of my prison abolition that I consider a part of my resistance. Because when I went to law school, all of my white counterparts were saying that they had all these programs and they did this and they did that. And I said, wow, we didn't have any of that. And I would have loved to be a part of that. So um, at the Future Lawyers Camp, it's a week-long camp. They learn, um, they learn what they can do to impact their communities. And kids from 8 to, to 18 have already had uh, bad experiences with the police department, bad experiences with the criminal justice system. Um, some of my, same thing with the foster system. Some of them were in foster care. Some of them were adopted. Some of them had parents that were killed by the police. Some of them had incarcerated parents. So we're talking about educating them in a system that they just were born. They, that's all they did. They were born. And now they're seen as criminals. They're seen as super predators, uh, like Hillary said. They're seen as troublemakers. They're criminalized for not doing homework. They're criminalized for talking in class, for doing things that white counterpart students are not criminalized for. And so once they learned through my program what they could do, they felt more empowered. And a lot of them from that day, which was four years ago, are in college now and they plan on going to law school. So that's an annual thing that I do. So, I mean, I offer mentorship to people. I talk to them and I show them. And that's why I try to be 100% me and not transform into what people think a lawyer is supposed to be. Um, people have stuff to say about the way I look online, the way I dress, the way I talk, but I'm a regular black girl. I'm 29 years old and I do not try to change into anything else because I have black kids looking at me 
And if I and if I was something else, they would say, well, I can't be that because I'm not that. So I was the same kid listening to the same music, doing the same dances, kicking it, hanging with friends, whatever. So I'm letting them know that you can you not you if you changed you can be whatever you want to be. You can change your community. You don't have to ask permission. I didn't have to ask permission to do the law camp. And I was wondering, I'm like, why isn't anybody else doing this? Oh, the reason why is because we're in the system. We're not resisting against the system. So that's what I mean by resistance. Ma, 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 ma. <laughs> would, you, would you be interested in... Uh... Extending the age limit to 35. Can I come in? Well, I actually do. I started something called the Law Lab. And it's it's basically a program, like a 10-week program. I'm still uh, recording it now, but it's an online program for people who want to be lawyers. And then after the 10 weeks, you know, they can, they'll have like lifetime access to the community, which is kind of like a Facebook community, but it's, it's on a different site. So, yeah, I mean... My goal was I wanted to get um, 300 new black lawyers. That's my personal goal. I think that we all, I think that we, I think that black people in general should look more towards the law as far as career paths, because a lot of us don't really know the law. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I I got my law degree from Matlock University Mm -hmm. um, School of SVU Criminal Intent, (laughs) like everybody else, you know? So it's like, and we're, I mean, I hate to use this word, but we're ignorant on certain things just because we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I like that you, I like that you said that you are authentically yourself. And that's something that I see from you just being a follower of yours on social media. So I think that's really cool that you put that out there that anybody, like you can be a lawyer. Like right. it's almost like, it's almost like the black version of legally blonde. Cause it's like, <laughs> when you watch Elle's stupid ass, you're like, there's no way she's going to be a lawyer. And she becomes a lawyer in a damn right. way. So, you're, you're not our black Elle Woods. You're, you're way better, but I like that you said that. I like that you No, but that. I, I definitely used to obsess over that movie. So, <laughs> so I did I. It came out. <laughs> and I love the spoon. So, yeah. So, um, Let's jump back to your your book for a little minute. Uh, Prison is a paradigm. Why did you decide to write a, a book um, about um, prison ab- abolition? I want to say criminal justice reform, like everybody else, but prison abolition. And um, why is it important for you to have that type of literature out there for people to read? Because I had the time and the privilege to do research because I was in a educational environment. But I know a lot of people don't have that privilege to do that. And so um, I always wanted to free people when I was a kid because my uncle was telling us that, you know, we need to free these people in jail. They don't have they don't have bail money. And I thought, you know, aren't the bad guys supposed to go to jail? Because that's what they told us. And he was like, no, it's all a lie. They were telling us this, but it's really to keep the oppressed out. And he was saying that rich people don't go to jail because they bail out. So it's not about the bad guy. It's about who has money and who doesn't have money. So that kind of started it where I just was saying, I just wanted to free people with cash. Then when I went to, um, I first, I went to Missouri Southern State University, which is in Joplin for two years. That's where I started my criminal justice degree. 
And um, we had to study criminal justice systems from other countries. And that's when I realized that our system is not the only way to do it. This is just the way that we do it here. And that's when I realized how bad it was. And it all of the research that I had to do just for my criminal justice degree, plus my own independent study. Then when I went to law school, the same thing, it led me to believe that we could change it. And that's what prison is a paradigm is about. A paradigm is a set of habits that um, people think is law. So say in your family, well, we only do, you know, ham for Christmas. And I'm like, well, in my family, we do turkey for Christmas. Neither one of us are wrong, but we think that we're wrong because in your family, that's all you did. So you thought that everybody did like that. That's how we do here. Like we address societal issues, poverty. We address um, social issues. We address mental health issues and we address um, drug and alcohol issues with punishment. It's a penal system. And punishment is jails and prisons, police, um, militarized police, you know, jailing kids for being late to school, things like that. That's a paradigm. It's it's just literally a set of habits that we do that we don't have to do. <laughs> and we can look to other societies that don't do that and we can create our own new paradigm. So instead of people thinking prison is an absolute, prison is what we have to do. Oh my God, I'm so scared. What, what are we going to do without the prisons? What are the bad guys going to do? What are we going to do without police? It's a fear mongering thing that's not true. And that if we understood that, oh, it's just a set of habits that we were taught. And this set of habits was taught in England and it's old. A lot of the stuff that I had to learn in law school was old English law. Like the concept of bail was different. It was created in a society where there was a big wall around the city and people could leave. And they had to make sure that the people wouldn't leave. We don't have that. We don't have that here. It, how are we still doing something from way, way back and acting like we have to do it? It's a paradigm. It's a set of habits. It's a belief system that can change. So that's what the prison is a paradigm is about. It's, it's going through the history of prisons and jails and the penal system. Um, then it's going to go to what's going on right now. And then the solutions, what to do moving forward. Prison is a paradigm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like, cannot read. This is the second week in a row. I can't read. Everybody's going to drive me online. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not a common word, though. I mean, I had to look up. Well, my grandpa always made us look up stuff in the dictionary, but I had to look up what it meant when I first started saying it. And it was just saying it's a pattern, it's habits, it's, but it's not like you have to do it. It's not scientific, like scientifically we need the police. No, it's just something that somebody said that we should do. Some old white dude said that they should do back in England and we still do it. <laughs> That's all it is. What are your thoughts about, since we're on these, uh, this paradigm talk, <laughs> these, these white folk who want to continue, you know, acting like, you know, we still in slavery because that's really what they want. But slavery is a paradigm for sure. Hello, <laughs> for sure. Um, and Cheeto Man, who said that last week, Cheeto Man wants that. But what do you feel about him recently sending out 
what was it, federal troops or military to Chicago uh, to try to combat what they, you know, say is just the most, you know, all this violence in Chicago. What do you feel about that? Well, people think it's, it's not only Chicago. He did it to a lot of cities, including Kansas City, where I'm at now. Oh, wow. Okay. 225 federal agents were here in Kansas City. They still are here for the last two weeks. And what they did was they used the deaths of our kids to oppress us. That's what I had. I, I tweeted that like two weeks ago. And then they, they really did it. So there was a kid who got killed on the 4th of July. His name is Legend. He's four years old. They called it Operation Legend. We're going to send federal troops to Kansas City. We protested it and everything, but they're still here. So now the mayor, after two weeks, finally spoke out and said, hey, I did sign off on this, but I didn't know what it was. Well, you shouldn't have signed off on that. Oh, wow. Over criminalize a community. You can't use the murder of a kid and say we're going to address it by criminalizing and penalizing. And that's what I mean by the a punishment system, a penal system. And this is what I said, and I said this explicitly. If if any crime, quote unquote, prevention or crime addressing or anything, if any of those solutions don't include pouring funding into the schools, which our governor has cut $133 million out of schools this year during the pandemic, if it doesn't include funding schools, uh, stopping gerrymandering, stopping redlining, giving people jobs, Healthcare. If it doesn't include that, then it's filled with white supremacy. So any solution that says we're going to criminalize more, we're going to send more police, we're going to we're going to we're going to jail more people, we're going to have longer sentences. All of those are cold words that you have to hear. Is those are white supremacy terms. So that's what I think about it. It's white supremacy. Yeah, and we we all know that that's basically the fishbowl that we're in. We talk about it every week, and we. We want to bring about these conversations to kind of figure out things that we could do to kind of combat that. And I I love this conversation today. Um, so to wrap things up, because I know that you are so busy, you have so much going on. And I forgot to mention your podcast um, oh, yeah. today when I was um, <clears throat> introducing you. But what's next for you? I know you have a podcast. Um, you have your own law firm. You're writing this book. Like what's next for um, Attorney Scrubs? Um, I'm getting into sports law now. Because um, I think that sports has a big impact on our country. I used to be an athlete. I played basketball at Missouri Southern. And now sports and race is colliding. It's always collided, like the formation of the Negro Leagues and Black people, you know, being excluded from certain positions and the front office. So I'm trying to get into sports law to make an even larger impact because Another thing with kids is kids are interested in entertainers and people who are on TV. So I figure if I can kind of talk to some of the people who they are influencing our community, that that can help. So sports law, I have like a few partnerships that I haven't announced yet, but some partnerships will be announced soon. And hopefully I'll be able to get some sort of a position on a team. And um, like I said, my podcast, The Scrug Show, we we still do that, and I'll hope to get more people on it. The pandemic is making it hard, of course, and um, just doing community stuff. 
Awesome. Well, you are absolutely amazing. And we the same age and I'm over here like, damn, what am I over here doing? I need to level up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to go to law camp. <laughs> Girl, you ain't lying. But like, I'm over here. I feel like, I feel so proud. I feel like we cousins or something. I'm just like, yes, because you are literally out here representing black girls all over the place young black women because we we young 29 is young but um you know you are representing to the fullest and you are authentically yourself like you ain't changing for nobody and that's so awesome and I just want to say thank you for me because I'm not a lawyer but you're representing me and I mean whoever black you represent you represent me too so <laughs> so thank you so much for just being awesome and doing research and you know continuing to drive the movement of you know trying to progress black people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so did you want to plug your social media? So I follow you on Twitter. Um but did you want to tell our listeners, our coworkers is what we call them, where they can find you, where they can follow you and check you out and and check oh, out yeah. what you're going to be doing? They can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Attorney Scruggs, or they can go to um, they can go to justassystem.org. Sorry, justassystem.org. That's where like the community programs and stuff is. Or they can follow my show page, which is The Scruggs Show on Instagram and Twitter at The Scruggs Show. And then they can subscribe to all the podcast links if they wanted to subscribe on Apple Spotify or YouTube, or they can just go to the regular website page. But if they go to the the Instagram and Twitter, the whole links are in the in the bio. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Natasha, for coming on our show today. We really appreciated having you on. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's time for the break room. It's the break room. It's the break room. What's your break room? Do? Girl, we've been to all the tea. Hey, 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 it's the break room. What's up, bro? It's the break room. Hey, well, hey, co-workers for the break room. Snoop Dogg and BMX had their verses this week, and it was lit from what I saw. Uh, looked like two of our uncles, uh, your aunt and your uncle, was up in the kitchen <laughs> dancing. Um, but surprisingly, it was really, really good. Like, I'm not a DMX fan. I love Snoop Dogg. I think Snoop Dogg's my uncle anyway, but it was a really good versus. And they had, I didn't even realize how many hits after hits after hits after hits. And it went on for a long time. So they did, they did really good. Did you watch it, Dana? I did not. I totally forgot it even came on. But I heard on Twitter that it was the bomb and DMX got his, his, yeah no like it was really good like surprisingly and the thing is i whatever verses that they continue to do for the next you know these next verses that are coming up hopefully please mimic what snoop Dogg and dmx did they were like in a live studio and you could hear there were no wi-fi issues like nelly had with Ludacris, like don't come for uh St. Louis. 
No, we lost that versus battle against Ludacris. Uh, no, we lost that motherfucker. God damn, Nelly was up in there doing all that goddamn talking. Anyway, go ahead. Girl, no, but for real, like, and Nelly got hits, and Nelly didn't even play a lot of his hits, but I mean, y'all, please do what they did. They kind of were social distancing because one DMX was on one side, Snoop Dogg was on the other side. But like seriously, it, the Wi-Fi—it wasn't no Wi-Fi issues. There were no issues at all. Like I felt like I was at a concert. That's how it should feel. So hopefully, the verses to come will be like that. But anyways, in TV news, so y'all, I know last that last week we were talking about Empire. I don't know how Empire keeps coming up, but if you were sad about Empire being over, you might get another fix because Taraji P Henson just landed a spinoff from the show based on her character, Cookie. She signed a deal with 20th Century Fox, and this show is going to be a result of it. It's not, we're not sure what the name of it is, but they're going, they're going to start filming and et cetera. I'm not sure when, they haven't said anything, but for those of you guys who love Empire, which I don't like it, but hey, I love Taraji. I'm not going to watch the show, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love her so y'all watch the show now if the show is good when it comes out y'all let me know yeah shout out to Taraji that's a I'm clap clap clapping for any money moves for black women I hope that they actually get to see this show come to fruition with everything going on so yes that's another thing I'm like how are they gonna it's like things are still moving and I'm like how when all this stuff is going on but I guess hey basketball is still moving and I don't agree with that but people are still doing it people still saying they gotta make their coins but Fatal Affair came out on Netflix last week came out on July 16th starring Nia Long and Omar Epps uh it was another predictable thriller did you watch it Dana (laughs) no but I enjoyed the memes (laughs) (laughs) you know what it was it Kind of reminded me, kind of reminded me of Tyler Perry's show that he had on Netflix. Girl, we don't even a fall from grace. That's what a it was. Fall from grace. <laughs> it reminded me so much of a fall from grace. I'm like Tyler Perry. Now, did you come over here and help them out with this? Because I mean, and I love don't get me. I love Omar Epps and I love Neil Long. I love both of them, but it was a little, it was a little corny. Okay, well, I'm gonna still watch it, you know, support. But um, yeah, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. I don't, I don't really like love movie. I don't, I'm not a movie person. I know that's weird, but I'm not a movie person. Yeah, girl. I mean, don't expect too much from it, but it was, it was very predictable. Like you're gonna be able to. It's like a lifetime movie almost. Like you can say everything from that's gonna happen as you're watching it. But yeah, continue to support. I mean, black people getting getting jobs we support that at any at any rate but speaking of you know we talked about this in the water cooler a little bit uh reality tv keeping up with the kardashians they are filming again and i've literally watched maybe three episodes out of umpteen seasons i don't really watch keeping up with the kardashians but if you do watch they are filming and i wanted to i wanted to touch on this in the break and in, in the water cooler, but I didn't because I was going to mention it here. But um, she did say that they are refusing to allow the show to document Kanye's behaviors or their kids. 
So she's saying that that will not be a part of their storyline. She also said that, you know, she's taking the mental health, his mental health seriously and showcasing his, you know, that part of their lives is not an option. So I am shocked that that is not going to be a part of their storyline. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's a good call to protect their kids, you know. Yeah, good call, mom. That's a good mom call. That is, yeah. And I'm sure it is to protect their kids. Because that's a touchy situation. She even came out on Instagram and even said something about it. But like I said, Kanye, good luck. And y'all pray for for y'all's brethren. Um, But in (laughs) (laughs) R-H-O-A, in Real Housewives news or for an R-H-O-A update, So y'all know last week I told y'all that the Housewives were getting ready to start filming and they have actually started filming. Um, Candy went on to an interview and she said, because y'all remember last week I was like, so how are they going to social distance? Like, how are they going to film with the pandemic going on? Candy says that they have to get tested very often since they are always around each other. So I'm hoping, and y'all know Sheree got COVID, but luckily, you know, Sheree not on the show anymore but Candy says that they are getting tested very often so hopefully none of them get the virus and then they have to stop filming and then we won't be able to watch the housewives isn't that wild what a risk that you run like let's let's look at the facts here okay there are four million people in the United States that have COVID okay and I'm not gonna say only 148 thousand deaths but four million people got the virus 48 i mean sorry 48 49 thousand deaths so obviously there's more people that are getting quote unquote cured with the virus but why would you even want to run that risk like you don't know if you're going to survive it i wouldn't like is this for their paychecks because i if it were me and it's like we got to get randomly tested then no because that means that i'm putting myself my body my life my kids everybody in my household at risk just so that i can come out here and have brunch with you foods like in my what (laughs) that's all that's all they doing they meeting up at brunch or they and i even saw on instagram this past week that they were all her can't her candy, uh, I said her candy, Eva, Cynthia, and Kenya. I think we're all out somewhere, or they went to somebody's house, or something like that. But nobody's wearing a mask, nobody's social distancing. All of you guys have kids. Is it that serious? And Candy got plenty of money. She don't need none of the housewives' shit. None of it. So, it's, not, it's not worth for me. It's not worth the risk, cause bitch, I don't know if I survive it or not. I could be one of these motherfuckers that succumb to that shit. Like everybody's not lucky enough to survive. And the way people are talking about it now, it's like, well, it's not if you get it, it's when you get it. No, you still have an opportunity to uh, not get the shit, like, and not spread the shit, cause everybody's not surviving this thing. So I don't know, but I get get your money up, whatever reparations. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Right. Hey, as long as y'all, like I said, keep filming. Y'all better not get the virus because then y'all going to mess up the showtime and then we ain't going to have nothing to talk about. But anyways, I hope y'all stay safe. In new music news, Chris Brown and Jaquees have a new song called Put In Work. Queen Naja has a new song. I don't really like Queen Naja, but 
for the sake of the listeners, y'all probably like Queen Naja. She came out with a song, Pack Light. I feel like her songs are just, I don't know. They, it sounds like a sad record love song. I don't know. I just don't like her. I, like her. I mean, she can sing, but I'm good on her music. J. Cole also came out with two songs, The Climb Back and Lion King. He has new a new album coming out. I haven't heard J. Cole's new songs, but I love J. Cole, so I will be listening. And lastly, there will possibly be a Keisha Cole and Ashanti versus. Now, Keisha Cole has been like pressuring, like you can see like in social media, Keisha Cole like, hey, Ashanti, where you at? What's up? So Keisha Cole and Ashanti versus, I am here for that because both of them have hits. What you think, Dana? Shout out to Keisha for reaching out to someone who is on her level, you know, to do this type of versus with. (laughs) (laughs) Because, good sis, if she hadn't reached out to fucking Mary J. Mary Mary J or somebody like that, she would have to just go ahead and sit out. But yeah, no, this this might be cool. I actually like Ashanti. When she first came out with, what was that, Foolish? That was that was my jamalam back in the day, so I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> not jamalam. Yeah, no, I love I love Ashanti. I love Ashanti, and I love Keisha Cole. Uh, that would be that would be lit to me. So hopefully, Ashanti hasn't came out and said anything. But we need more verses because concerts do not. I mean, hope I won't be going to a concert. Let me just say that. Uh, I know a lot of people are. I've seen where concerts have happened, but I'm not going to a concert. So keep the verses coming because that's the as far as I'm gonna get until y'all get a vaccine with this pandemic. Uh, but anyways, Dana, what have you been listening to lately? Um, I have been listening to Big Crit. Um, <clears throat> he actually came out with a new record, and I don't have the the name queued up for it. But I just went ahead and listened to his whole catalog because I'm such a fan of his. So I've been listening to his last latest projects, and then he released a it's a long video esque type movie is Beyonce Michael Jackson ish type video for his song Mississippi which I love I I, I absolutely love Big Crit I love his genius I love his flow so that's who I've been playing on repeat this week and of course Moneybag I told my friend um we uh we we gonna have to start listening to some more music child so we can give y'all some more uh hits to listen to <laughs> No, but for real. And I, y'all, I'm so I'm so old. I don't know if I'm old or what, but I have been listening to old school stuff. So the fun thing about Spotify, and I'm not trying to play Apple. Y'all know I don't went to uh, Spotify because Apple. I I'm not paying that nine ninety nine no more. But Spotify is like so bomb because like you can type in a song and whatever the song is that you're listening to. You can go to that song's radio and then it'll play all the songs from that time, that era. So I've just been getting, I've had all the, the feels and nostalgia this week because I've been listening to old Drake, old Jill Scott, old Trey songs, old Chris Brown. Uh, I've been taking it back because, I mean, 
the music that's come out has not really been phasing me. But Dana, I have been listening to a little money back. Yeah, hold up. Okay, money back. <laughs> oh, also, I didn't. I didn't want to forget. Um, Tiana Taylor has out a new album. It came out quite a few weeks ago, but her album is actually really good. I forgot to tell you, I was listening to that. It's called The Album. And uh, she really did her thing on this record. So go give that a spin. I consider it a straight through. But knowing Anessa ass, she'd probably come back on her next week like, I don't like it. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no, I really like a couple of her songs, uh, her recent songs. So I probably will like it. She's on some new vibes, some new love type of stuff. So uh, I, I, I like Tiana Taylor. So I'll give that a listen to. Well, y'all, that's all I have for the break room. All right, coworkers. We want to thank attorney Natasha Scruggs so much for joining us on the show today. Um, thank you guys so much for sending in your fuck yous. Keep sending them in. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all. We love you guys. Bye.